0: And when it came to the first feature, yep. Alien 3, did you think this is, this is the ideal project for me? Yeah, I really did. I mean, I didn't like the script, but, but I, I, I love Alien. So yeah, I signed up Naive and went off to Pinewood to be sodomized ritualistically for two yes. years. <laughs> I made a crucial error. I listened to the people who were paying for the movie and they said not to work with your friends. The way to go about this is to work with people who've done this time and time and time again. And basically that translates into meet a lot of people who are going to resent you and your age and are not gonna wanna take instruction from you and allow them to tell you what you can't do. So. I kind of retreated back to doing television commercials and and had no expectation that I would ever be employable again.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by. So, a little bit of a delay for this episode, but you know what? Uh, As Mike has been fond of saying for his entire podcast career, you get what you pay for. Um, So, that's where we're at. Hold on a second. Is this delayed? A little bit. It's fine. I mean, whatever. (laughs) Who cares? Isn't that on you? Wait, I no, feel like as no, long as Mike, you Mike, edit it, No, it is on you for not recording. <laughs> My editing is subpar but quick, so.
2: <laughs> no, I, I just assumed that uh, as long as you stay up late tonight and edit, you could have this up tomorrow and we're still on time. You fucking
1: monster. Did we miss a week somewhere? Yeah, you know what? You're probably right, and I'm just going to let that go. So, I think I am. <laughs>
2: I'd say t- the only time I circle a podcast director on my calendar is when an expert episode is on because I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes a week I off. don't have to be there.
1: <laughs> and God forbid you would get ahead of things. So, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, we are kind of officially starting our watch of David Fincher movies. And we have a little bit of a change in the schedule. Originally, I think we were just going to kind of go through movie by movie from the start mm. to the finish. But because Mank. Just came out, uh, and people are actually talking about it. We figured, okay, for once on this show, let's be timely and talk about something that people are actually talking about on the internet. So we are going to cover both Alien 3 and Manx. So you get kind of the bookends of David Fincher's career thus far. We have the movie that he, uh, says doesn't exist. Uh, and then we have his, his new kind of labor of love that was written by his father and, you know, takes a look at old Hollywood. So we're going to have a little bit of both. But of course, we're going to start with Alien 3 uh and you can probably hear the resignation in my voice because I I've, I've been on the hmm. record many times saying Alien 3 sucks not a fan is it it's to me it's not the worst in the Alien franchise but like it's pretty bad like it's man uh and I keep because there's such a weird following for Alien Alien 3 especially if you spend any time on Twitter at all like there's a lot of people who are really passionate about this movie so I keep getting duped I keep thinking, well, Dave, maybe you're being too harsh on this movie. Maybe you're wrong. And then I'll re-watch it. I, Mike, do you have any movies like this where, like, it's a movie you don't like and yet you have seen it numerous times? Like, I probably watched this movie six or seven times at this point since 1992 when it came out. Because I saw it in theaters when it came out. Didn't like it then. And there's never been a time when I liked this movie. Do you have any movies that you've been fooled into mm. watching that many times that you don't enjoy? <laughs>
2: It's an interesting way to put it, that you uh, are like a sign of blame. For-
1: <laughs> that's right. It's them. It's them, Mike. I, <laughs>
2: I I certainly have, you know, I guess what you would call guilty pleasures, where objectively I can be like, yeah, this isn't oh, great. Oh, sure. I enjoy, sure. I, I enjoy watching it. I don't think that's what you no. mean with Alien There's no 3. pleasure it's, here. It seems like <laughs> you're talking about like trying to rediscover what you may have missed right. something of that nature. And I don't know, man, I, I don't know if there has been one There's Certainly I'll at least say there's been a lot of double dipping on mm-hmm. stuff where I'm like, maybe I wasn't in the right headspace for it at the time, but you're, you're getting into five or six times. I don't I don't know. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, because I think (laughs) I I think we all have
1: those movies, right, where you're like, Yeah, you saw it when you were twenty or you saw it when you were in a bad mood and then you come back to it and you're like, you know what? Mm -hmm. It's pretty good. It's not great, but like I enjoyed that. Uh but this is not that movie. For me, like, I keep thinking, like, oh, David Fincher had a, had a part in it. And I like Sigourney Weaver. I like a lot of the supporting cast here. Like, Charles Dance is in this. Charles S. Dutton is here. Like, it's it's got a lot of really good people. David mentioned on that a uh little behind the scenes, Mike had watched this three-hour-long documentary on the making of it. So I was like, oh, let me check that out. Because even if a movie's bad, like, I, I love to hear about a colossal failure. Like, I love to hear the beh- behind the scenes of these big swings that – just completely missed so i'm like oh i'm gonna watch this and they mentioned like you know this is a cast you could you could put on a shakespearean play with like these are great actors involved in this and it just goes to show you mike you know what you need for a good movie a fucking script you need a goddamn script. Mm. And that's what they did not have. Poor, I feel so bad for David Fincher, like, hearing the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's like his first big break after doing music videos. He finally gets some money to do a real movie, and he shows up, and it's like, no script, no story. And they're just like, good luck. We have this half-built set from this old story we were going to do. Maybe you could do something with that. Good luck, kid. Go ahead.
2: I mean, it's a... uh I guess a tale as old as time, the, uh, let's just hit this, uh, arbitrary release date. Um, which, you know, going, uh, I, I, guess more recently, Justice League is, is that particular failure that, uh, for a time lived in infamy and, uh, thankfully to the, the wonders and the artistry of HBO Max, we're now looking <laughs> oh, an extended version of what could have been.
1: I thought it was um, already filmed. I am Mike. Wondering I, thought, it, I thought it was ready to go. What's,
2: <laughs> I, you know, it, it's a, we're getting a little bit off the, off track Good, here, but because I, Alien I am 3 sucks. amused. <laughs> True. I am amused and supportive, uh, of the fact that clearly there, there was no, uh, Snyder cut to be released because they're putting like another hundred I mean, million dollars into it. You got to respect
1: the grift at some what? point where you're like, you know what, Zach, well done. Yeah. Yeah. You got your money. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not mad. And you know, HBO Max, that's just more content, right? Go for it. Um, fine with me. Um, Alien 3, no, I will admit, so I, I, I didn't really twist your arm. I actually just assumed, because you're just a, a vile human being, that you would like to revel in the disaster that was Alien 3, since you hate it so. So when I mentioned that, uh documentary i thought i was playing catch up to you i was like i need to do this so i can be better informed (laughs) so i really wasn't trying to twist your arm there i will admit though and i don't know if you did this since you are you know fincher is Mm -hmm. your guy like i i love fincher but i think on this podcast this is like a pick you have like looked forward to making. oh yeah yeah Uh, whereas (laughs) i am i come at it I don't know where, at what angle I'm coming from, where I'm like, what about Amy (laughs) Heckerlin? And like, that's, that's my decision making on this podcast. Uh, uh,
1: I never watched (laughs) vamps. Sure. Let's do that. I mean, your picks come from like, what's on my shelf that I haven't watched? How can I get some use out of this money? Yeah.
2: It's, it's. Well, it's also very much like the mood of the moment. And when I say the moment, I'm like, yeah, that second, exactly. And then I'm committed for like two months. You're like verbal kids
1: um, in mutual Suspects. Just seeing something on the wall and you're like, that, we're going to do that.
2: <laughs> that is the only uh, way you can compare me to that particular person. I won't put that Fair on enough. the record. <laughs> we actually just did an episode on, uh, LA confidential, which I'll, I'll blame, uh, both myself for, Late recording as you did, and my editor Web, because he's choosing to watch Nancy Myers the Holiday tonight instead of editing our episode, which I encouraged. Yeah, I'll allow it. Um, but when we discussed LA Confidential, I had to make that statement multiple (laughs) times as I compared myself to the Jack (laughs) Benson's character, not the actor, the actor. (laughs) Um, yes. Um, so anyway, Alien Three. Um, I was going to ask you, did you since you're the the Fincher guy? Of this, of this too, which is strange for me to say. That makes me sound right. like, like I'm fuck just that like, guy, but like meh on him. Yes, I love Fincher, but, but he's yeah. like one of my top um, two
1: directors. Did you it's watch like this? Him and Guillermo del Toro. Those are my guys. So, I, yeah,
2: yeah. Um Did you watch the assembly cut? Because I did not uh, do this. I just watched. The so because
1: I've watched this stupid fucking movie so many times, I've watched both cuts. Um, but this time I watched the assembly cut because supposedly this is the closest to Fincher's vision. That we're ever going to get, and I'm doing a jack-off motion that no one can see, but that's what it feels like, uh, because, you know... <laughs> we heard it. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like, I... The thing I find really... I find the discussion about this movie from Fincher and other people way more interesting than the movie itself. I think the movie is just genuinely... It's genuinely bad. Like, there are some solid moments, I think... Like the, the chase down the corridors is filmed in really interesting ways. You can tell Venture really knows what he's doing with the camera and you can see that even here when he's severely limited. But <laughs> you, every, every interview you hear from him, if he does talk about it, like I think the last interview I read with him about it where somebody said, yeah, I hate that movie. He's like, no, you don't. Nobody hates that movie like I do. Like, it's just, like, he's so, he is, like, like, (laughs) as as hardline against that movie as I am, like, I pale in comparison. Like, I will constantly say, like, you know, I hate that movie, so does David Fincher, all Davids agree, and that is, like, kind of a running joke, but, like, that made really, I mean, he thinks it's the worst movie ever made, like, and granted... He was abused on that movie. He had like all these people showing up and like telling him what to do and people who didn't have anything to do with the movie. They were just like suits who would show up and tell him what to do. And he – for all of his (laughs) faults and like supposedly being very difficult to work with, like the man has a vision and he knows what he wants to do from the day he walked onto a film set. Um, So to have all these people come in – And kind of stick their fingers in it and be like, no, you got to do it like this because we got to save money and then leave and never show up again. Like that's got to be really, really frustrating. And then he got like essentially got fired like three different times from the set of the movie and like eventually just walked off and left it. You know, so this has to be like a really difficult thing for him to look back on in a in a career filled with just massive success. Basically, ever since that movie, like he's just been kind of like different levels. But, like, maybe Benjamin Button is maybe the movie that was, like, the least successful Um, in terms of... See, I was
2: going to go with Fight Club. Well, originally, yes. Like, in the long Mm -hmm. run, but short term, yes. uh, A box office failure and, you know, to some degree a critical failure, at least uh, when it was released. uh, That changed very quickly. (laughs) Like, in the span of, like, a month, it became this, like, critical (laughs) darling. Yeah. Um, Well, you know... I guess this is my time to talk a little shit then. Uh how much blame, not to victim blame here, <laughs> do we put on a young director's ego that you know he did walk in without a script where he's like, "No, no, no. I got this. I can <laughs> I can, you know, just will this into something." Uh and that's why I wanted to watch that uh Documentary Wreckage and, and Rage, which I think Fincher has referred to as wreckage yes. and rape.
1: Which I is also what you title. texted me. He wanted... uh, this is what I'm watching. Yeah, so. yeah I was trying to <laughs> yeah, honor so the man. of mayor. course.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I had that thought where I'm like, okay, so you, uh, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball and kind of challenging yourself. And it's also your first shot, right? right? So, I mean, there's there's that. And it's fucking um, alien,
1: man. Like, I say no to that, you know? Yeah. Like,
2: it, it is sort of a uh, based on the first two. It is sort of a uh, an introduction to a perceived next great visionary mm-hmm. filmmaker. If you're coming on the heels of Ridley Scott and James Cameron, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, uh, you have to have some some yeah. ego to be like, "That's me. Put me on Mount Rushmore with them." First time out, I, yeah, got I can this, do that. Lady. i can be right there with them. <laughs> um So I'm just speaking from the theatrical cut, and I I saw this for the first time. Uh as a as a kid, uh I I was a big fan of I uh my cousin. It was one of these weird things where my aunt uh I wasn't particularly close with my cousins and uh he was older than me. He was in high school and I was in middle school and just randomly she like called my mom and was like, I wanna, you know, take your son away for the weekend and have him hang out with his cousin. It's like and a setup. I remember having a conversation <laughs> with my mom. I was like, why? Why would we ever do that? Like, I I see him at Christmas, and that's, is that not good enough? Uh, I honestly felt like someone was dying. I felt like my cousin was dying. Like, did somebody have cancer? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but, you know, it, it gave me a great, uh, movie memory in that, um, you know, this, this older, uh, teenage figure. We go to the video store. He's like, well, you like movies. You know, I don't, what am I supposed to do with this kid? I'm in high school. I don't want to hang out right. with this little brat. Um, and he's like, so, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think we rented species and he was just thinking like, Hey, there's an alien that gets naked in it. And, um, then he's, he decided, Hey, we've got to class it up a bit. We can't just do that. <laughs> so we're going to go with James Cameron's aliens. Yeah. And I just made the offhand remark. I'm like, Oh, I've never seen that. He's like, you've never seen aliens. And he's like, well, you know, if you liked alien, I'm like, well, I never saw alien either. And he like, Oh, so my, <laughs> you know, this is really insulting to David Fincher. My alien, trilogy <laughs> was alien, was alien, aliens and species. Aliens and species. <laughs> and better you know choice.
1: What? Honestly, it's probably yep. a better
2: part, a better part That's- three <laughs> species. <laughs> um, so the first time I actually... That made me a fan of the Alien right. series. Unfortunately, not Species. I mean, I liked parts of Don't it. Don't we like all? As any, yes. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, yes, any young man on the cusp of uh, puberty there, sure. Um, but my first experience was, uh, I think, a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. Uh, some family member got me the VHS Alien Trilogy box Oof. set. And so I went step by step again. This time, no Species, so it should have been. And man... Uh, you know, what a letdown. I got to the third one and I was pumped. I I came into it. Uh, I didn't know anything about the production saga at the time. I'm just watching it on VHS. And I'm like, the first two are great. Let's see how this trilogy wraps up. Ooh. And really disappointed. So I should have watched the assembly cut this time. I think I watched it on DVD in the early 2000s when it first right. came out, but I don't have great memories of it other than
1: it's longer. It's longer and That's like all it. the stuff that they include look like shit because it's all like done in posts and some really bad effects yeah. like
2: so you're removing the one aspect of the film that works which is yeah kind of that visual grit and
1: that realism of it in a yeah. fucking alien movie as close as you can get and then you have all these like scenes these like weird stop motion animation scenes that are clearly added way uh, after and you're like oh, yeah i don't need that not great
2: <laughs> yeah so i mean i i've never been a fan of it i've never really I've never really gotten the enthusiasm. Uh, you know, some
1: people just need a sort of a reclamation right. project. Where Someone like, to no, root no, for. Like, this And is, if, if Fincher yeah, doesn't become a great director, do you think cool. anyone looks at this and they're like, actually, this, mm. like, what if Fincher made well, this and then just went like, <laughs> clearly I suck and I'm retiring? And he went to, you know, go be an editor or do something behind the scenes. Like, you know what? This is not for me. Mm-hmm. Like, no one would look at this and be like, actually, this is a Fincher.
2: Fincher would love to be an editor. Uh, I don't know how productive he would be as he looked at 47 takes of someone's hand picking up a magazine, but oh, he'd yeah. love it. He'd be in Absolutely. fucking heaven. Um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of get where they're coming from because I'm, uh, at least from my memory, I've not watched it in 20 years at this point, but I remember as a teenager, I kind of dug Alien Resurrection and I thought, wow, this is insane. And it, I, to me, it, it is was, that there was a certain degree of pleasure. <laughs> There was, there was pleasure in the, uh, spoiler alert for Alien 3, uh, you know, they kill off Ripley and it's just like, well, we gotta get Sigourney Weaver back. baby. (laughs) It is very comp booky where it's just like, whatever, you just go with it. Very much like a comic book in that uh, way where you're
1: like, yeah, okay, she's back. Sure. Why not? And you know, I was there for it when Ona Ryder was in it. So it's like, okay, here we go.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I've never really got that. Um, yeah, I was, I was hoping for more cruel, uh, things to happen to the android <laughs> in that, that version of Alien, since it was my underwriter. Um, but yeah, Ripley has sex with an alien, has a lovemaking session. I <laughs> dug it. I, I thought, whatever. I, I don't know if it's like a bastardized version of it, but isn't it? That, that's the director yeah, of Omelette,
1: yep. right? He did Omelette yes, after. Yes. Probably needed a palate cleanser after, after <laughs> Alien Resurrection. Let me do something sweet and cute. Let me tell you. <laughs>
2: After, you know, suffering through Omelie now twice in my life, I want to immediately go back to Alien Resurrection. Like, let's go. The real classic. Jesus Christ.
1: So, so you had started this kind of asking, you'd kind of, you were kind of asking like how much, how much does Fincher, like how much of this is his fault? Essentially, is it his ego coming in? Is that what you were? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a valid point. I think it takes. I mean, he's not blameless. That's what I'm saying. But it, it takes, I think it takes a certain amount of guts to be a director. It takes certainly a lot of guts to come into like an established money making franchise without a script and be like, yeah, we're going to make this happen. But I will say that if you, you know, and watch, especially in watching that documentary, when you listen to how everyone reacted to him, except for the fucking suits, he had like immediate respect as soon as he spoke to them. Like, you talk about, like, he they interview Sigourney Weaver, and, like, the first thing he says to her, because she asked him, you know, well, how do you see Ripley in this movie? Hmm. And he's like, bald. And she's like, I like this guy. Like, immediately has this rapport with them. See, <laughs> I could have saved us all a lot of
2: trouble if I was a studio executive. Nope. where I'm like, that's not an answer I ever want to <laughs> hear. No, we're not doing that.
1: But, like, all these <laughs> interviews with the actors, and you hear them talk about, because I think sometimes, you know, even on this show, when we're talking about directors, we sometimes leave behind this idea of like coaxing great performances as a part of direction it's not just the visual aspect it's not the cuts it's not the way that the camera is framed it's not the cinematography some of it is also just getting along with your actors and getting their respect and every single actor that they interviewed for this is like fincher's a genius i'll i'll follow him into, into hell like i will do anything that he asked me to. And it was really interesting to watch this. And one of the people who said that was Charles Dance, who was in this. And he's also in Mank, which we're going to be covering in a bit. So it's nice to see that kind of come full circle uh, this week as I'm watching this. So am like, oh, he got to he got to come back and play a pretty major role in one of his movies. So, like, that stuff makes me think, like. Yeah, some blame goes on Fincher, but so much of it goes to the studio. I mean, from the beginning to the end, from the beginning of like, oh, we're just going to not have the script and we're going to scrap this and we'll figure it out on the run. And, you know, we there's, you know, we had like five different writers and then they had two or three different directors that they kicked off the set. And it was just like and they started building sets before they were sure what they were doing. You know, there's a lot of mistakes made. And I think it's admirable that Fincher had the guts to come in and do this, but it was probably a really bad decision. Like if you just kind of looked at the lay of the land and went like, okay, uh, you have high expectations for money, you have high expectation, expectations for artistic endeavor and you don't have a script. I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> like this is not going to go well for hmm. me on my first movie, you know? So that part is his fault. But for me, and of course I'm biased because I love venture. But I think most of it to me is a is studio stuff. And like you mentioned, it's this whole idea of like, we gotta hit this date. Like, I don't know, why don't you try making a good fucking movie instead? You know? And all the stuff they tried to pull with Michael Bean and using his uh his likeness in the movie and God bless him, I love him because he was like, Yeah, I got paid more for that than I did when I was in Aliens. This worked out great for me. But he had to like bring in his lawyers and- also
2: said if uh if he knew Fincher was going to become Fincher, he may have,
1: uh, just traded for a future I, part. You know, a, a <laughs> film to be made. I later. love that honesty where he's like, look, if I've known <laughs> who he was going to be, yeah, I would take whatever you want. You know, and that's also one of the things that a lot of people love about this movie and I really despise about it is just how grim it is. Like the movie literally starts out be like, by the mm. way, these characters you love, including a girl are you know, murdered and eaten by aliens. Like, okay. And it's off screen and they don't, you don't get a goodbye for these characters at all. And the whole idea, like James Cameron, and this was on that documentary too. He wanted the kind of family unit. It didn't necessarily have to be romantic, but you have Ripley and Hicks and Newt together, and they're going to make their way in the world. And that could be interesting, but instead they kill them unceremoniously off screen. And of course it does the job of putting Ripley alone in the very dangerous circumstance, But it feels very cheap to me and it feels like a cop out.
2: It's certainly a decision I can respect more than I actually enjoy once it's put in front of me. Like the, the idea is like, whoa, that's a, it's a bold choice and it kind of puts you back on your heels. Uh, but then I have to spend two hours with it, um, with two and a (laughs)
1: half. If you watch
2: the other version, (laughs) just (laughs) more baldies just running around, just bald people with English accents and, um, yeah, it's, it is a bit of a slog to, to get through. And it, it's interesting. Like, there are def- definitely elements of it I kind of admire, uh, that it's, it's decidedly, uh, marching to, to its mm-hmm. own, its own beat there. But it's not one that I actually really want to partake in for very long either. Like, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's effective. It's fine effective. to
1: make those choices, <laughs> but isn't it also like in a, in a franchise movie like this, in a science fiction movie, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be a little bit fun? Like shouldn't there be some fun to be had? There's like no fun in this movie. And the the studio again tried to like insert some fun by making the very stupid joke about 85 uh which is oh god it fucking pisses me off because it's a it's it's not only really a bad joke but it's inaccurate because uh, if you know anything about IQ testing, uh anything within 15 points of 100 is the norm and 85 is within 15 points. So he's actually not stupid. Even with that score. So it's like, it's not only a bad joke, but it's completely inaccurate. And when I found out that was a... Maybe they're all geniuses, oh, Dave. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> clearly. clearly. <laughs> so when I found out that was a studio invention, I felt, I felt great. I was like, oh, thank God that wasn't Venture. I knew it. I knew this was a studio jumping in. And you can really, and it, and as I watch it now, you can really tell that that's just shoehorned in. Cause there's like no mention of his quote unquote stupidity before that, all of a sudden it's just like 85. And then you have these characters changing accents and coming in and out. And like, what guys, ugh, this is, it was just like, uh, you know, we did an episode of your, of uh, one of your other shows when we were talking about the abyss where you have characters just like disappear and reappear for mm. no reason. That's yeah. kind of what this feels like too. And that comes again from just not having a script. So there's no real narrative here other than like, isn't this dark and fucked up and terrible? And there are some cool visuals. The the shot where the alien comes out of the, like, the kind of, the, like, the, the oil, like, went after you think it's been killed and that's right. I mean, that's a cool shot. That really works. Uh, what doesn't work is that shot at the end with Ripley uh, falling into the, the fire pit uh, at the end. It's some of the worst. Oh, my God. It's, every time I watch it, I'm like, it can't be that bad. And then it comes up again. I'm like, nope. It's terrible. And that is in both versions. So... <laughs> no matter which version you watch that's how she goes out
2: it honestly reminds me um and i haven't uh haven't watched this film in probably almost almost two decades at this point uh maybe maybe 10 years uh matrix revolutions where it's like okay you went kind of off the beaten path and made something deeply unsatisfying as the (laughs) the finale to um (laughs) I don't want to say much beloved because I think you and I disagree pretty heavily on, uh, Reloaded, which I love. I love the second Matrix. I think, uh, I think, it's like, wow, I think you're you in the majority up?
1: there. I think, you know, I think there's, there's a lot oh, okay. of people who really like I thought, it. I thought, everyone just hated the other no, two. No, I mean, and, and again, okay. this also probably comes from me being on the internet too much because there's, of course, people who are like, you know, people like our friend Webb who think the second and third Matrix movies are brilliant and some of the best movies ever made and they're all about philosophy and blah 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 uh whereas i think if they had stopped at the end of the first one it's a perfect movie like we don't need to go any further than this well just stop
2: you're you're showing him dave (laughs) because some of the best films ever made the fourth one coming straight to yeah baby next christmas there you go Webb. that's a good way to get me (laughs)
1: to watch it to be honest that's so
2: I actually think it's a pretty good transition uh, to your hero. That's right. Going straight, straight to Netflix, to Netflix baby. this week.
1: So yeah, so let's leave, thankfully, let's leave Alien 3 behind because it's a bad <laughs> movie. And if you like it, you should feel bad. We're going to move to the, hmm. the most recent David Fincher movie, which is Mank, which is essentially the story of the screenplay to supposedly one of the greatest movies ever made, right? Citizen Kane, that's on every best of lists like it's always in the top five i'm not saying it's not I like i'm not saying supposedly. it's not i'm just <laughs> leaving the door open i think citizen kane is great for the record it's fantastic i think it's in my top 10 of all time i mean it's no vertigo but it's good you know it's a good movie so this is about you know there's there's a lot of competing <laughs> stories about the writing of this movie there are some that say mank our main character here wrote the whole thing uh, there's some that say it's him and Orson Welles. Some say it's mostly Orson Welles. It's been throughout history. There's been a lot of discussion and a lot of like snarking back and forth about this. So kind of an interesting place to start, but maybe a movie only for film nerds. I wonder if like a normal person, if you told them, Oh, it's this is about the writing of one of the greatest movies of all time. Do you want to watch this? Wait, did your wife watch this? No. <laughs> she, uh, she was interested. So, so we in did the, room? Uh, we did Citizen Kane.
2: <laughs> earlier in the week, because she was like, oh, I've never seen Citizen hmm. Kane, I probably should, because um, she's like, like you said, isn't that, <laughs> I don't know if she put supposedly, but isn't that supposed to Same be uh, <laughs> one of the greatest films of all time? Um, you know, I, your tone was definitely uh, more pointed there. Look, I'm just trying uh, to start a, a conversation, a pointed tone. you know, I just want to
1: leave it up. Well, hey, let,
2: me, let me start one here, then. Uh, so you said um, this is the most recent David Fincher film. I wanted this on the same episode as Alien 3 because I think it's his most recent bad uh, film. In fact, maybe it. his only the second go around. I was watching this and I was like, um, Mike is not going to like this. <laughs> it is, uh, oh, uh, you know, not to, to speak ill of someone's father or the dead here. but <laughs> But I'm going um, to. You know, you, you, yeah, you said there's many competing stories about, I guess, the, the, the creation of Citizen Kane. And God, they, they picked the least compelling one (laughs) to me. It's a a dude laying in a bed. It's like, I'm watching the fucking, the fucking English patient without any, without any war (laughs) or sex. Like, oh my God, just, just get it (laughs) on. Let's go, man. Let's get out there and let's rabble rouse. And so there certainly is that. There's a fantastic scene at the end where, it's just one big monologue of, uh, you know, just drunken, uh, rage and, uh, you know, and trolling. And it's great, but most of the time it's this, I don't know. It's just like an awkward ode to Kane itself. That mm. I think bothered me. And maybe that's watching them so close together because it's totally so unnecessary. It's like, do you and think there's think like just one, too many
1: homages to it? Too many like links where you're like, yeah, I, see. I think
2: structure from a, from a structural point of view, yeah.
1: yes, and I think that's um, purposeful. I, I think like, the, I don't honestly, think that's a, I don't think that's a read of the movie that Fincher would be like, how How'd you get there? Like, I think it's very, yeah, right, it's right. all purpose.
2: But I, I would say that now, having seen both, I don't think it's necessary that you actually even watch and I think Kane it might be better for if this. you
1: do this. Honestly, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of am like leaning that just, way, and if I, just, I wonder like, if that. If, you've seen, if you saw it like five years ago. And you're just like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. I have a hazy memory of it. It's yes, open. yes. Like that is how you want to. Go yeah, I it.
2: don't. I don't like my experience of watching them days apart. Mm. I did not. I did not enjoy that. And so I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm coming to this one very much like I did uh, the Irishman about a year ago on this very podcast. Where I'm like very muted reaction to this. Some I think of it you just hate um, Netflix. There's a sequence <laughs> with. <laughs> I did have that thought. I'm like, man, does it just bring out the fucking worst in all these great directors um because and I also wanted to touch on this with Alien 3. You know, you, you went on and on I about mean, you, how Fincher's vision was interfered right. with. Uh and I'm thinking, wow, this is like, yeah, just do whatever. Like I feel like this is not getting any notes here. I think that's and true. A lot of it to me is the script mm. again and i i, th- I know the, the the familial connection this is the film that he wanted to do after the game like when his father like was writing this project but i i, I don't know what the story is here it's very much a mood movie mm. in the vein of uh my favorite film of last year once upon, upon mm-hmm. a time in hollywood where it just puts you in a place and time and you just kind of hang yeah. out I, I think the, the difference for you me is like to uh, if i'm gonna do a hangout movie
1: <laughs> oh no what, well, like I'm going to hang out with Link later like... where,
2: where it's going to be about having sex or drinking beer, or playing baseball, or you're going to put Brad Pitt in it and we're going to kill the Manson family. But this one where it's about a sad old man who creates this great thing and uh, it may be taken away from him and all he can do is throw up on a carpet in the end. As fantastic as that it's great is, scene, man. it's a little bit <laughs> of a, a downer. So I, I like that scene and I like... Um, Amanda Cifre. Amanda Cifre. Oh, she's Seyfried? Seyfried. Seyfried? Amanda you, she's fantastic in this movie.
1: She's maybe great. She uh, is granted, awesome it's in it's this. A limited year in 2020, as far as releases that I've seen. We talked about this kind of uh before the recording. That like we've seen like 20 or 30 movies that came out this year, but this is far right. and away yeah. my favorite performance of the year. Like I think she is. Perfect. It's very much um
2: like a Moonlight for me, which Mm. I also was very muted on. But I thought the the performances, I thought the acting, I I could I would have awarded, uh you know like give it give all the supporting categories to Moonlight. You know that's that makes sense to me. Even for a film that I wasn't that high on. Same thing with Mank here. Her, I'm like man, it just feels so effortless. She is so charming in this, and uh, like everything that's on her face, like you know the dialogue she does have is to be charming. Mm -hmm. But she also is so involved, even in those monologues where she's not speaking. Like her, her yeah, eyes, like she's interacting expressive. with old and, men. In that scene, it's it's really and she good has stuff.
1: This amazing ability in this role. Like it, she's one of those actresses that's always been like on the cusp for me. Like I've enjoyed her performances, but there's never mm. been anything where I'm like, yes, oh my god, she's great in this. Um, and this really hit it because she has this incredible ability to be glowing and smiling and charming and yet you like you see the like the 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 person who's not sure of herself and the pain like just beneath that smile and just beneath the the smiling eyes and everything else it's there and you don't have to point it out you don't have to focus on it but you feel it and i think the scenes the scenes between her and mank between her and gary oldman are just beautiful. Like, I, I honestly wish there was more of that. I know there probably can't be if you want to tell this story, but that scene with them, like, walking through the garden at Hearst Castle, like, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, give mm. me, like, extend this scene. Give me, like, 20 more minutes of this. Because it's very rare you see, <laughs> you see a movie, um, you know, with a male and female lead that is, like, purely platonic and just kind of wonderful to kind of sit in in that moment. And I wanted, and if anything, I wanted more from that. And I really like this movie. I think it's one of my favorite, uh, recent Gary Oldman performances. Like, I think he just has a mastery of this script and is like, even though the, the script, I mean, you can have complaints about it being like performative and like very obvious. Um, boring, but like the one liners, <laughs> the, the zingers, like he really has a mastery of that. And it's like for me, I, when I was watching this, like, cause when I watch movies for this, I'm always thinking, like, what is Mike going to think? And I had like two options in my head. Like either you're going to be like, fuck, this is so boring, which is what happened, or you were going to like it because it's just like an old crusty man talking shit for like two hours, uh, which I loved. So I got that experience of it Mm -hmm. where I was just like, I could, I could just watch Gary Oldman go off on the Hollywood system for hours. This is great. Like, and I did, I did end up watching it twice and I found that I liked it more the second time because I think that first 20 minutes of the movie is like, the first time through, I'm kind of like, okay, let's get there. But then the second time I watched it, it just kind of like really flew by. But it definitely – there are sequences where you're kind of like, can we go? Uh, but what did you think about them actually including Orson Welles as a character here in this movie? Because you have a guy essentially doing an Orson Welles impersonation uh, for this. It's mostly in voice. It doesn't it –
2: rarely, if ever, works for me. Um even in, um, Ed Wood, uh, which we watched mm. recently and, and talked about briefly in Amy Heckling Month, I, I felt like that, that particular sequence, uh, while, while cute and, and winning to the, the Ed Wood, uh, you know, character that you see in that film to have that fictionalized moment with his, you know, his hero, uh, another filmmaker who's not getting any respect <laughs> from two different ends of the spectrum, of course, um, it always is a little jarring for me and I, I liked him as, uh, like a voice on the phone without ever seeing I him. I agree. I think I would have preferred that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little cartoonish with, with him. Um, any, I mean, Orson Welles as a person is kind of cartoonish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throughout anyway, his entire like career, person, young, so. young Orson, old, fat Orson <laughs> yeah. with a beard. Either way,
1: my like big yeah. complaint, cause I also watched, uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, like a couple days before this. And mm. I think that's also why maybe my second watch of this was better. Cause I got more distance from that watch. So it's just like, mm. okay, now it's just like kind of a hazy memory of that movie instead of like the day before. Um, that guy who plays Orson Welles in this, not hot enough. Uh, not even close. Cause like if you watch. Not at that yeah, time. I if you watch, sure. if you watch Citizen Kane, his first appearance in that movie, like I was like, oh my God, like I forgot how good looking Orson Welles was. Like, young, 24-year-old Orson Welles, like, he is on I'm court. so disappointed Why? in you.
2: I was hoping you would say that the the one with the, the horrible old man makeup just, like, stammering around the room, just, like, ripping stuff off the wall. I, th- I was hoping you'd say that was the hottest moment of Citizen uh, Kane. That's pretty good. He, pretty he does good. His, uh, does his De Niro Irishman fighting style, just lumbering around. See both classic
1: um, films, Mike. Um, this is... <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I did think, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I, I shouldn't because, you know, the, the Irishman to, to me is, uh, it's not bad. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, Marty got to make it. Glad I got to, to watch it. Uh, same with Mink. It's like, I actually, and I, this one I prefer to the Irishman because, uh, I feel like this is actually Fincher kind of stretching. Like he seems like he actually Mm -hmm. likes for once. Character. And he likes a lot of the <laughs> characters here. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a means to, to watch the, the leads be punished for two hours, be it God seven. So get ready for more room. movies uh, on this series. <laughs> even, even his, even his grand romance, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, you're going to watch them go through this horrific right. parting of ways, this long extended breakup as he deages. So it was interesting. To, to see that, and I I do think that probably the presence of his father contributed to that warmth, yeah. so it's kind of an oddball uh selection. It you doesn't know, we feel were, like a Fincher we movie to me at all.
1: Like, I watched this, and I was like, yeah. if you had told me some other random director did this, like, most Fincher movies, you can feel it. Like, you watch it, and you're like, yeah, this is a fucking David mm-hmm. Fincher movie. There's no way around it. But this one, you're right. It does feel, even though it's about this, like, grand event in terms of cinema history, it feels... Mm-hmm light in comparison to his other movies it feels like kind of kind of Mm -hmm. weirdly joyous even though it's about a man like you know in bed after a horrible car accident dying of alcoholism but it's still like and a a lot of it like honestly i think all of my favorite sequences most of them are flashback stuff right it's all the scenes with him at parties and him like kind of fielding the room and Mm -hmm. really like just diving into this language that stuff all really works for me you know i just absolutely loved it and you know we mentioned amanda seyfried but like her introduction in this movie is she's like on set you know like you know ready to be burned at the stake and her it, it's very i love it i love the the banter so between good. The two of them you know her like you know don't don't laugh at me which gets repeated throughout the whole movie and that you know there's a scene mm-hmm. near the end where she's unwilling to go back and fix this problem for him because she's already made her exit Uh, and I love, he doesn't laugh while he's in the car with her. And then as soon as they drive away, you just hear him cackling. Like this is Mm -hmm. so fucking ridiculous. Like it's a great moment.
2: Yeah. There's, there's, there's nice little touches here. So I, I don't want it to, you know, I've got letterbox up, which is kind of amusing. And if I was, if I was, you know, leaving my little pithy review, it would just be, three stars. Cause it's like, I'm, I'm undecided, Great. you know, to dislike it. Like it. it's kind of right down the middle. It is something I will rewatch, uh, at some point, but there's also a lot of these reviews that kind of hover around that. And it's so interesting, like that the rating can be the same, but the words either are <laughs> hurtful, uh, boring, or I respect what Fincher's doing Ooh. here. You know, it's, it's the it's, worst it's thing like, you can I hear. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and a lot of love for, uh, for, uh, seafood yeah. too. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's some consistency in this, but I think the problem is in maybe COVID times will help it a little bit. Um, that this was perceived as the front runner for like Oscar glory, whatever Oscar glory, <laughs> whatever is that this means year, or next year. Like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it felt like. Another reason I wanted to combine these two now, not just be a little more topical, um, is, you know, you, you talked, you kind of alluded to people trying to reclaim alien three. And in some way Fincher is doing that for this historical figure mm-hmm. in Hollywood with, with Mank Um, and I don't want to get into the weeds on the historical accuracy. Cause, who cause cares? I said, I'm a lover of once upon a time in Hollywood. I like the, the dream, the rewritten dream of that scenario. That's fine with me. Um, but I think that contributes to the the general warmth and the tone of it. Even though, as you said, it's about an alcoholic who things are not going to turn out that great Whoa. for him. But it's a it's a strange love letter to, um, you know, a man sticking to his guns one yep. time. That's that's another thing I actually like about the movie is he doesn't more often not. He I, there's a great scene where a studio executive, I think it's a uh, Thalberg, um says you know wow if you just actually kind of put in the effort as opposed to just being the smart ass in the corner of the room like you're just the guy in the back of the class making fun of everybody else for not being up just to why level. i love him. Did you never get involved in anything <laughs> yeah um i i like that the film actually like kind of calls that out and it's like you know as a watcher do i actually want him to get high and mighty because i kind of like him as when he's high and mighty he's also incredibly intoxicated and entertaining and maybe
1: that's what i prefer it makes it more palatable. Yeah. And I also think this, this film kind of takes some interesting turns as far as like what, cause it's a lot of it is about legacy and what you're going to be remembered for and what, when is it important to stand up and be counted? Right. So it's all about, you know, like, cause at the beginning of this, he's not going to get any credit. And he's like, whatever. I need the work. That's fine. Who gives a shit. And then he kind of realizes like, well, this is way better than anything I've ever written. Like this is great. So I'm going to get my credit but he doesn't take credit for things like, you know, getting uh getting people away from german camps. You know, he keeps that a secret. I find it interesting that that's the thing that he keeps hidden. And it's like I don't think it's from a place of shame. I think it's from a place of like I don't want to pump myself up and be like I'm a big hero. But when it comes to his creative output, then all of a sudden things change and he's like, "You know what? This is the one I want to keep. This is this is the one I want to be remembered for." It's
2: it's interesting for this podcast specifically where, you know, we wanted to title it auteur's for assholes. Um, but you know, iTunes, man, restrictions on iTunes, whatever. Um, because this does feel very much like an attack on the auteur mm-hmm. theory from what we consider to a tour yeah. adventure. Um, <laughs> and I, I like that. Um, but I, you know, we, we've talked about on the show before, even though it's a, a the, the whole premise is centered around directors. Um, the collaborative nature, be it an editor, uh, cinematographer, uh, screenwriter, what have you, uh, and we, I think we try to bring that up, especially when there's some yes. consistency in a filmmaker's work. Um, but here, you know, this main character is, he's a true believer in this art form being collaborative, that seeing that, that sequence in the writer's yeah. room. Where it's like, you know, it's, it's a group of guys, like, let's just see what the fuck happens when we all contribute to this nonsense. Okay. Choose your own and adventure storytelling. Sure, let's it, go. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, it's also indicative of the fact of maybe he's not yet taking this this new medium that seriously. And when he writes something like Citizen Kane, he actually does want to step back and, and take ownership of what he's contributed to the form. There's a lot. Of, really interesting sort of ideas here and there's a lot of interesting character moments that i enjoyed but I'm, I'm i I, it's funny like because you you greatly liked it and i thought it was yeah <laughs> okay better than alien 3 I, i'm not thank gonna go you. that far on the limb thank you. It's, the worst um <laughs> but it's like man it is just it is a lurch to mm. get on the road with this thing to get going and um i i kind of wish you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe if this wasn't a Netflix movie, maybe it wouldn't exist without Yeah, Netflix. maybe not. But maybe if there was actually some more collaboration, mm-hmm. some more oversight, maybe it's finesse a That's little. That's possible. More. Yeah.
1: I I, but in terms of you know, you brought up this idea of on this show, kind of talking about the people who work with the directors, because it's always interesting to see, like, okay, who is you know, and this movie brings us up, like, who is the real auteur? behind this like is this an orson wells thing is this a mank thing is it some percentage of each what's going on and the the person that he seems to have worked with the most lately fincher that is is of all people trent Reznor, uh and atticus ross it was fantastic oh my god it's they're man, great. like and it, man if you yeah. would have told me because i'm a big nine inch nails fan if you would have told me 20 years ago when i was in my 20s that like trent Reznor was going to be nominated and winning oscars For film scores, I would have been like, uh, I don't really see that happening. And I think, I think it started with the social network. That was like his introduction into Mm -hmm. that world that just immediately knocked it out of the park. Best film. Just. Best film of the last yeah. decade, best yeah. score of the last Not decade. Not too bad. Um, and but,
2: but if you listen. Hand, I think it's Hand Covers Bruce is the, uh, like the title sequence uh, track. It's one it's of the best incredible. pieces of like score. I, I love that score. And if
1: you listen to that and then you listen to this, it's amazing that it's by the same person. Cause this feels old Hollywood. Like it really does a great job of setting the stage for where we are in history. Like I was just, I, I didn't even check the credits and then I was like, oh my God, did Trent Reznor do this? Like I can't even, cause at least mm. social network, there's a little bit of like electronic stylings to it, which I'm like, okay, I could see, right. I could see how that transferred over, but this is totally different and like feels classic. And it's just, it's just incredible. Like, and I'm so glad that Fincher, I guess gave him that shot on social network cause it's just become a second career for Trent Reznor and we've gotten some great film music from it as well. Listen to you. Yeah. You move
2: to Kentucky, you become a true Republican. You're like, you know what? We need the millionaires to get their own get their shots. <laughs> <laughs> Trent Reznor's is not one enough in his Look, life. Look, the man
1: probably almost died <laughs> like needs six a times from overdosing from heroin. I'm okay with giving those a second can we, chance. Can we
2: please give uh give the man behind Nine Snails uh, a chance just to pull himself up by his bootstraps right. and get an invitation to Look, score? Did you for just David say? What are the best pieces uh, of
1: music in the past decade? So. I I did.
2: I'm not. I'm not saying that it's like you know this down on his luck kid uh, got his big break. You know, it's it's nice when you can call in a successful musician who's like, hey, can you make music for movies? But yeah, because I'm a fucking professional. But do you think most
1: directors would, given Trent Reznor's history and the type of music that he created over his career, that they'd be like, oh yeah, let's bring him in to to do a film score?
2: I don't want to throw a particular director under the bus. But, um, and also I'm trying to stay very, uh, very much in my, my politics of like, you know, trying to bust up unions or anything <laughs> here. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to get in that territory. But <laughs> just from an artistic standpoint, I do think that, um, much like the film make the, the trappings of the way we've done things, uh, can mm-hmm. hinder, uh, finding a new collaborator in the sense of like, well, okay, we need a score. Uh, let's go down this list of names right. of people who have done it before. Uh, Alien 3, actually that was an interesting, this is becoming like a really like strange, but probably the best episode of In Session film uh, that we're <laughs> talking so much about score. But, uh, Elliot, uh, Goldenthal, mm-hmm. um, uh, for Alien 3 had a lot of, um, it was like a lot of sound effects. Mm-hmm style as the music um and he it was interesting to see some of that footage of how you didn't need any of the sound effects and then they got to cut to the the two uh sound effect supervisors and there's like hey you're kind of uh encroaching on our territory hey, a little bit here. like you know, we, <laughs> yeah and it, it was just an interesting look because it's like oh yeah uh there's gonna be a give and take on collaboration from top mm-hmm. to bottom um but no, maybe I think, you know, that's a credit to Fincher that he, I guess, in some way, in a strange Dave-like Thank way, you. he's thinking outside the box <laughs> by going to a world-famous musician <laughs> to create music for the movies. Um not you know not that everyone can do it right you know but uh there's you know what I'll shout out uh, there was a, years and years ago uh I, I love his uh I don't know if he still does it David Poland had a channel called DP 30 oh yeah uh, and he would talk to people like Trent Reznor, uh actors directors wh- what have you. And the premise is for 30 minutes, the camera is just on them. So you hear him mm-hmm. off-camera asking questions, but you get to see their reaction to everything, <laughs> every little stop and start on a question. And um, he did one with Resner, I think it was sometime after Social Network. Maybe it was um, Girls with the Dragon Tattoo. He I did think that, so. right? I'm yeah I'm pretty sure. I think he's basically been working it with them ever
1: since, like...
2: I feel like they talked a lot about social network in the interview, but it was a great, it's a great interview. If you can find it on YouTube, DP 30, Trent Reznor, uh, much better than this podcast. Uh, but just to reiterate, this podcast is much better. than. Oh, this. there so you build, go.
1: Love you know, it. Editor, Definitely Dave. leaving that in, <laughs> although I do write for in session film now, but whatever. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> this is a great podcast. And that one. Hey, let me, yeah.
2: let me throw this out there. You pass this along to JD because they, they put out so much, so much junk. <laughs> And I'm thinking, uh, I have a ton of podcast ideas. Uh, I don't want to create another feed. Why don't they just let me and Dave get a day of the week where you do your Criterion bullshit. <laughs> and we, we can call it the Criterion Correction. <laughs> and then I pick a movie that's much better than it's probably my, made that is by a, a really female filmmaker. a good idea
1: for a podcast. God damn it. I've got it. so many ideas.
2: Could, and a good name, but too. Run it, run it by JD. Criterion Correction... And then I'm gonna break out, you know, we're gonna go back to Nancy Myers, we're gonna do we're gonna play all the hits. And it's like, Nope, you're wrong. So you pick your Criterion bullshit. I'll pick something people wanna watch.
1: It's a good yeah, idea. Right? We could we could do get, get, uh, sort of sponsorship out. from Criterion and Stars. Every movie that you pick will probably be from Stars anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's perfect. I am <laughs> I'm aroused right now. You know what, I think that's a a good place to end this episode. I mean, I think, you know, (laughs) it's not going to get any better than Mike's arousal on this episode.
2: So I'm just glad we're not actually doing the the girl with the dragon tattoo next, because that would get some troubled waters. Instead, we're doing uh, seven.
1: Is that any better? I feel like, oh boy, (laughs) there's some troubled troubled waters. You know know who I'm not
2: like? (laughs) There's a certain character I'm not liking seven uh, and the actor (laughs) as well. We'll talk
1: about that on our next episode. So um, (laughs) everyone should watch seven. If you have a copy of the Blu-ray, you should uh, watch it with the commentary because it's great. Um, So go ahead and check that out before our next episode. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, it's at directed by pod. And if you would like to donate to our Patreon where supposedly we got our episodes out early when Mike wants to record, you can find us at Patreon.com. Dave wants to edit. You could still A half yes, hour you got a half soon. hour You can edit uh, Get this up an hour so early Go to patreon.com Slash a podcast director. <laughs>